making a joke. Friends with wings. That's a whole nother <laughs> podcast. I know. <laughs> Red Bulls. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome back to Wings with Friends. I'm your host, Mary Upchurch, and I am so excited and lucky to be here with a very talented artist, Troy Mice. You, you might want to wait till the end of the podcast to determine how, how lucky you are. So, you know, you just never know. Sometimes blesses, blessings, curses can come in similar packages. But I, I think we're going to have some fun. <laughs> I'm that's, already having a blast. That's good. I am, too. I am, too. It's, it's just been fun uh, just uh, showing up a little bit early and uh, just getting to know you a little bit. So I'm excited to... Uh, to uh, have a good time this evening. Oh my gosh, yes. We are in our beautiful new podcast studio on Roosevelt Row. We'll it see for really how long. Is. Yeah. I mean, this, this is a gorgeous room for sure. This would be a good testimony for this complex. <laughs> yeah, it's just not officially mine, so I have to be careful. True, 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 true. <laughs> um, oh, okay. I am really excited because you are probably the most talented person I've had on the podcast. Wow. Yeah. So um, this is this is the premiere show then, <laughs> is what you're saying. The show is debuting tonight. <laughs> if I'm the, okay, I'll, I I won't roll into the self-deprecation. Are you too sure much, you're not a comic? Because the self-deprecation <laughs> is really absolutely right. That is truly a trait among all comedians for so sure. So. We had some wings. We're gonna get to that in a minute. In yeah. a minute, but Troy, tell us who you are and what makes you so special. I will do that. Um, let's see. To try to to try to verbalize the relative unspeakable pleasure of being me. Uh, I'm going to have to, to search the search deep for next Now, hey, uh, I am a 49, almost next week actually, uh, 48, soon to be 49-year-old male. I was born in Chicago, grew up in the Midwest, and fell in love with the guitar in the mid-80s. Um, have been really, really lucky. Uh, I ended up taking an extremely... Uh, different different path than I think what I had originally set out for myself, which was playing soccer, an avid lover of playing soccer. And I saw a friend of mine's band play uh, the beginning of my junior year of high school. So this would have been 87. And literally blew me away. I mean, it was like at a juice club and it was a cover band, but there was probably a couple hundred kids in this place, and this kind of quiet guy that sat behind me in theology class. I went to the all-male Jesuit preparatory academy. So this like really nice but quiet guitar-playing dude that sat behind me in religion class just like literally had everybody in this venue like wrapped around his finger. I remember looking around the room and thinking, first, every single girl wants to be hanging out with him right now <laughs> and because of that of course secondly that every dude wanted to be him yep and um so that was a friday night and monday morning in theology class i told him you know, probably rambled and how excited i was and said i that's what i want to do i want to do that wait and what was he doing he was playing guitar so I'm sorry, I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. Did I not say that? I don't think so. So yeah, so I went to see this 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 guy that sat behind me. Oh, His right. band played Got this, it. a couple of random things. Thank you for for tying together. Um, so yeah, this this good friend. Even I 
name check him in the song Aliens that I may perform later. Um, but no, this guy was a really good friend and unbeknownst to me, when I told him how awesome I thought his band was and that I wanted to do that, I wanted to play guitar, he then, because he sat behind me, I didn't realize he was doing this, and he spent the entire hour that Monday in theology class of writing down lists of places to go in Kansas City and guitars to look for and price. Just, it, it was really, really cool. I went home that day, gave this enormous plea to my father that I'd, although I'd tried many different instruments, that this one was going to be different and I wanted a guitar. <laughs> and long story short, I came home on uh, Thursday from school, 72 hours later, and there was a guitar and an amp in my front room. Oh, they believed in you. My got to give props to my always to my all my folks. I've got I've got three right now. I've got two moms and a dad, yeah. and uh, and they are they are all amazing. My father and and his wife of eight years live down here, um, but it was probably a little bit crazy for me just to. Um, you know, I felt so convicted and that I so wanted this badly. But, you know, I'm sure 500 bucks or whatever wasn't, you know, just not growing off trees. So sure. it was, uh, I've, I've always, well, and then two, you know, I, I had, like I said earlier, it was kind of the soccer thing was important. So when I veered into music, I think a lot of people thought I was crazy or kind of lost faith, but not my parents. Nice. It really was, you know, I mean, it's. It's, uh, I, I would be lying if I said that their love and support, you know, hasn't, uh, okay, now I'm definitely veering too far into the corner. Well, I want to hear about so. the, tell me about the bands you've played with. Um, so, so real quick, there was, I grew up in the Midwest, I grew up in Kansas City, and there were two bands specifically, one from Phoenix, Arizona called the Meat Puppets, and one from Haldon, New Jersey, North Haldon, actually, uh, called the Feelies. And uh, these two bands really, really inspired me. I felt like their music told me that I could do what they were doing. Nice. And that's where I did kind of take a veer about the age of 16, 17, 18. And um, I decided to follow the Feelies, the New Jersey band who was doing a little bit of touring in the Midwest around, became friends with them in a short amount of time. And they asked me to, uh, to be one of their roadies, uh, their guitar tech. And that led to, we ended up playing on that first tour, this would have been the fall of 88, we ended up playing in Tempe at the Sun Club, uh, <laughs> the legendary Sun Club, and that place was crazy. And it, it was really a crazy night too, because a fight broke out, and the feelies kind of got freaked out, and we, we packed up and left everything early, but a guy got his head split open. And oh as we, gosh. I knew that this was Phoenix, that this was Meat Puppets territory, my other heroes, so I was hoping to, to, to for a, you know, a possible introduction or maybe even to catch a glimpse, I don't know, of a Kirkwood. Those sightings would have been pretty fun in the 80s. But uh, this, this dude got his head split open. A, a, a big brawl broke out at the bar. I got grabbed Glenn's from the Feelys Guitars, the guy I worked for, and headed outside and saw the guy on the ground whose head was split open. There was another guy holding a cold compress to his head. Turned out that was the bass player for the Meat Puppets, Chris Kirkwood. <laughs> so as soon as he saw us, I'll never forget him jumping up. Feelys, yeah, we love the Feelys. Oh, and, my gosh. And uh, he had decided to uh, to, to let the, the fallen soldier kind of fend for himself at this point, grabbed a bottle of 100 stoof, 100 proof stoli and a big z of some brown mexican swag and said we're gonna have some fun 
Oh, the and Sun we did. Club. We yeah. did, you know. Um, so that, that was the only time uh, that I was ever there. I never got to play the place. I never saw any of the legendary um, Meat Puppet shows or any of the other great Phoenix bands. But it was just cool being there with the Feelies and then getting introduced to the Meat Puppets, which eventually led to... To what? It eventually led to, to those guys. So... Uh, to playing with the meat puppets. So really, I'll, and I'll try to do this quick because I say that. <laughs> so so funny. the Feelies, um, so I spent a few years roading with the Feelies. And in 1991, they decided to take a break. And it turned out to be a 17-year hiatus. Nobody knew it. Mm. Glenn wanted to, who was the lead singer, guitar player, song primary primary songwriter of the Feelies, he wanted to get something new together. I was living in Iowa. I was at the uh, in Iowa City where the university is. Kurt Vonnegut was heading up the writer's workshop. I was in my young 20s. I was excited to go back to school. And I got a phone call from Glenn from the Feelies and said, we're taking a break. What are you doing? Why don't you get your butt out to New Jersey and let's put a band together and make a record? Um, uh, I did. And uh, it was just an honor because it was playing with two of the guys from the Feelies, Dave Weckerman, the percussionist, and Glenn Mercer, the, the main guy. And uh, I went out. Uh, we, we found a keyboard player to, to join the, the outfit. We were a quartet. We called ourselves Wake Ulu, two words, W-A-K-E-O-O-L-O-O. It was like a combination of some weird herbs or something. We could not, <laughs> for the life of us, pick a you know, pick a, a band name. Um, anyways, so we we did some fun gigs, and in a couple years, we got a record deal. And it turned out that the week that the record came out, we were on a small label from Chicago called Pravda. Um, so the week that Wake Ulu's first record came out, which was called Hear No Evil, I had officially made the decision to join the Meat Puppets. Um, in that interim, Kirk Kirkwood had called me. The Meat Puppets wore a three-piece. They had always been a three-piece. In fact, I think in my mind, honestly, they even should have at that point. I flipped off the manager when he first brought something about, you know that you're being considered for this. <laughs> I turned around and just went, Damien, go F yourself, man. <laughs> he didn't know what to think of it, but I said, look, if Kirk Kirkwood wants another guitar player and he wants to ask me about something, he'll obviously uh, just a little bit of a cocky 22-year-old, you know. Um, so it, 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 you know, it turned out to be the deal and the, the meat puppets were on a major label. Um, Nirvana had actually, it, it obviously at that point by 91 had changed the, you know, it changed the face of, of popular music and Kurt Cobain's favorite band, I'd say arguably, there's a few of them that arguably was the meat puppets. So Kurt knew that Kurt Kirkwood from the meat puppets knew what an opportunity he had and what a, what great things were going on. And, um, so it, uh, it, everything worked out. I ended up auditioning a little bit and then becoming the first add on or the first new member of the yeah. meat puppet to join the original trio. That is fantastic. Um, I'll tell you, where the meat puppets kind of um, blink on my radar, the beginning of that was that Nirvana Unplugged album. Um, Kurt Cobain sang like two or three meat puppet songs on that album. Yeah, there were three, and they actually all came from the same, the classic meat puppets second record, meat yeah. puppets two. Lake of Fire, come on. Like, that yeah. is that song is amazing. Um, and and really there is a, a spot on there where... Kurt Cobain goes, those uh, meat puppets, you know, like, yeah, yeah, and that yeah. was one of the, the, the triggers and stuff. And so I'm pretty sure he said something like the brothers meet or something <laughs> like the meat puppets. Yeah, I think he said a couple different things, but, but I think that was one of them. But no, it was so cool how, 
absolutely reverent and humble that Kurt Cobain was around the Meat Puppets. Mm. Um, I'll never forget the first time I met them was in Buffalo, New York, and I, I this was the number one artist in the world. It was the Meat Puppets opening at Nirvana. I think at that point I had officially been asked to join the band, but I hadn't started doing shows. And the Boredom's a really cool Japanese kind of arty noise band played. The Meat Puppets killed it, Nirvana killed it. And after the show, we were hanging out backstage in the dressing room. And I think I was having a Heineken with Chris Novoselich. Um, Novoselich, I think as he liked to be yeah. called. Um, and uh, anyway, so we're backstage and kicking it. And all of a sudden, the dressing room door opened. And it was Kurt Cobain. And I remember him saying something like, you know, guys, I got some news. I just signed the deal to the MTV Unplugged. So we all kind of looked at him coolly and, uh, you know, just said, congratulations, Kurt. And I almost have this, like, weird kind of memory of Kurt looking at us and going, like, um, you know, it, it felt like a kind of a vibe, like, I'm not telling you guys to get my ass kissed. He, anyways, he said, the reason I'm telling you guys is because Me Puppets 2 is my favorite record. And I want to play a few songs from it. And I want you to be, looked at Kurt and Chris and said, I want you to be there with me. And it was just to be one of those things that actually materialized. So this is in Buffalo, New York at a basketball arena in November of 93. Kurt Cobain doesn't have six months left on this planet. And before he left this earth, he decided to literally make it a mission to bring the, the power, the wonder, the love, the glory. And of course, I'll get sappy. It's the meat puppets. They're, they're my friends. They're my brothers. Um, you know, they're, 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 they're one of the reasons I still do what I do. So it was, uh, it was an honor. And uh, that thing came out. And, and, you know, this is something, actually, I don't bring up very often. I will say this. Um, but I think over the past, Mary, at times when... When Kurt Cobain's death came up, and rest in peace, Mr. Cobain, it's been 25 years, over 25 years, man. And uh, even though it by no means we're good friends, you were a sweetheart, um, I, I definitely I love you and miss you. Uh, but they found the body, I think, on the 8th or the 9th and determined that he had been dead for a few days. I think the 5th is the day that actually gets the credit. Well, because, of my, you know, I, I, there's a long time where I didn't, mention what I'm going to mention because I thought it was going to be really self-absorbed. Um, April 14th, the Meat Puppets and Nirvana were going to Eastern Europe for a three-week sold-out tour, just the two bands. And I think there were a lot of times at the time when I was like, I kind of restrained from saying something, thinking like, Courtney lost a husband, Francis lost a father, the world lost their hero, and I didn't want to come off as some kind of a whiny, selfish prick going, oh, we didn't get to go to, you know, but on the same token, come on. The first show was April 14th, 1994, not a third band, just Meet Puppets mm -hmm. Nirvana, first show, Prague, Czechoslovakia. So it was all Eastern Europe, it was three weeks, and, and of course I was looking forward to that, but... Um, Obviously, fate and, and uh, destiny and the universe and um, had other ideas. And, uh, but, know, I, but I loved him. I loved him, and he, and he was a sweetheart, and his love, genuine love of the Meat Puppets was intense. Yeah. Troy, I mean, that's a really powerful story, and I think, like, 
it's your that's yours whether I know Courtney lost a husband and everybody lost their hero but it's like that's what it, how it was personal to Thank you, you. and yeah, true my friend Lee Houck is here because I Hi, always Lee. have Lee here Lee we've heard this story even with comedians right if a comedian passes away their traveling um, feature act is like what do I do now you know like it's um, if you're gonna do it do that one their traveling feature act is kind of left like, oh, no, what I do. So not to equate yeah. comedy to your music, but it's well, the only way we know how to. Hey, <laughs> come on. I, I think we, hopefully I'd like to actually probably explore that topic. I mean, some of the most influential people in my life have been, quote, unquote, under the, uh, under the umbrella of comedians, under the moniker. But then it gets really to, like, what are we? And do we, real, do we really have to be you know, to, to be put into some genre or call myself something. Yeah, I, I, I've written a screenplay and I've written a children's book and I've written a lot of songs and stuff, but would I just call myself a writer? No, I, I think I have a bigger responsibility to the world to, uh, you know, like I jokingly kind of said to you earlier, to spread love and to facilitate the, the, the creative process and the, the, the process of energy and of synergy and of altruism and really giving a shit in 2019 about where you're at, what you're doing, and what you care about. Yeah. You know? I'm so, snapping my fingers because I, I agree do. So I, hard. I do get, you know, I do get uh, a, a little bit emotional. I'm 49. I've never been married. I don't have any kids, but I got a lot of wonderful young people across this country that call me Uncle Troy. Yeah. In fact, there's a stack of them here in uh, in Phoenix. And can I take 15 seconds to name Please chat? do. We're going to say Sierra and Savannah and Hunter and Lily. His eyes are lighting up. And Gabby and Phoenix and Ben and Ava. Oh, man, you know, those eight kids right there, the friends, those are all from four different couples, each have two kids. And those young people right there, like, literally inspire me to to want to do more, to be a better person, to just, and it's funny because anytime we always get together at Friends, it always works out that I gravitate towards the kids. Uh -huh. And all the adults, quote unquote, will be in one room and, you know, <laughs> and me and all the people and all the teenagers and, and younger will do be in Do you play another, for them? So. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's right. I play for them. I give lessons to them. Yeah. And I, I get inspired and, and, and write songs. So. All right, Troy, I want to ask you about this. I want to ask you about Wings for just a second. Oh, I'm glad. Yeah, wings please. are what bring us together. Amen. Um, we had some wonderful wings from ATL Wings here in Phoenix. That was my first try, and they were it was really good. Oh, good. Yeah. Because I'm always so nervous that, like, you're gonna, they're going to be soggy or, like, I ordered them early. Anyway, we had garlic parm. Um, the ATL spice, and then a traditional mild. You said you make wings. Like, what's your experience well, with about, wings? Uh, well, first of all, I'm from Kansas City, so grilling, oh, yeah. barbecuing has always been a big deal for me. And about 15, 20 years ago, what I started doing is realizing that I had, like so many, like most people that loved heat, that loved spice, we grew up knowing what Tabasco was like. Well, th this this yeah. culture has changed a little bit now. This would have been more applicable for me to say 10 years ago or 20 years ago, but I really fell in love with the heat from sriracha, from oh. a good chili paste. So as opposed to the vinegary-based heat from like a, a Frank's. You like a seed bait, like a... 
I just, yeah, for me, just a a, a little bit of a different um, base of burn. So I started infusing my wings and grilling my wings about 20 years ago when I had gone back to Kansas City for a little bit. And and I used a sriracha base. So I would use a a sriracha base, um, obviously different herbs, spices, pepper, salts, peppers, different things. Um, But, but I, you know, this was the one thing that I did find out, though. It seemed like almost some of the heat of the sriracha seemed to cook off because even though the flavor was oh, so good yeah they most of the time they didn't quite have the bite unless i sure. really really um you yeah. know like punctured and soaked what yeah. do you call that when you marinate marinate yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. jab you, and <laughs> jab. i'm making these like weird <laughs> lee and mary are looking at me like dude <laughs> got my leg like hiked over the, like one of my legs hiked over this chair i'm making <laughs> weird hand gestures with my left hand a mic in my right, man. I think I'm freaking these girls is, out. No, we can handle it. We're, we're female comics. We can handle anything. Well, <laughs> and I know that. I know that. But let me just put this to you because this is such a bandwagon-esque thing, but it shouldn't be. The, the Me Too movement, the, the things that are hopefully finally starting to come to light, this is ridiculous. Women still make 77 cents to, the, to, to a man's dollar. I mean, I... I like I, I've been, I've been this way and passionate about it You're for decades. Yeah. Um, so, like I said, I know in this year, um, it's become. I actually have my own Me Too story. I was in drag one night and had a guy grab my ass. Oh. And I, one of my bands was playing. We were called Narcoma in Kansas City, and this drunk dude grabbed me between my legs from behind with a force and Oof. with a, and it was, it, it, you know, it basically and and. You know, thank goodness that we don't have a video feed right now going because not necessarily that great looking a dude, but as a chick, I was actually doing okay this particular (laughs) night. I'm standing in line. I've got a wig, this cute little red bob on. My band narcoma is just getting ready to start. And this dude, I mean, gooses grabs me. I mean, like I said, I turned around and popped them. I I laid them out. Good, good. And then my friends, the the bouncers, threw them outside. But like I said, we don't have to do too much. But I'm glad. I'm not glad that happened to you, but I'm glad you know what that's like so that you can identify and go, no, that's not okay. Like, you're not allowed to touch me. Or you're just just because I'm dressed like this doesn't mean it's an open invitation. No, no, no. I actually, too, and I've never posted anything about this on Facebook. I've never talked about any kind of a public forum. But I'm really happy with myself at age 48 that back in the Me Puppets days and the days when TV shows and some commercial success was happening and, uh, you know, beautiful gals that were hanging around were definitely part of the deal that 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 was not something I ever took advantage of. That was something I always respected. There was even one you know, one instance where just, you know, kind of kissing with this gal and, and uh, where things are just kind of getting steamy and passed out. And I actually put her clothes back on her, carried her into the hotel room, and she woke up the next morning and just went, uh, nothing happened last night. <laughs> and I said, you're right, nothing happened. You passed, you fell asleep. You passed out when we were kissing. She was like, uh, she just couldn't believe it. And that in of itself Aww. is ridiculous. Yeah. You know, so I say that in yeah. no way. That's not my ego. I mean, no way to tout. What I'm basically saying is it's unfortunate that little things like that can be, you know, this is the kind of thing that every one of us should have the respect, the love. We would not be here if it wasn't for women. And I hate to even have to say to my friends at times, think about your mother and your daughter or your sister. But if you have to do that, if that's what you have to do to get to that point, to not let that misogynistic 
self-absorbed male bullshit fueled ego say or do something stupid then do it do whatever it takes because there's just not room for it in this world today yeah you're here nice troy amen so do you like blue amen. cheese or ranch <laughs> You know what? I do not do any you don't sauce do with any. wings. All right. I am a, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're a purist. I am a purist. And that's kind of the way, you know, with, with, you know, whether it's my love of food, my love of films, my love of music, I really kind of have this general um, of just kind of trying to capture the essence. Okay. I like it. But I did like the wings. I would personally you, say the parm. For you me. like the garlic parm. I do you so. prefer the drummy or the flat when you pick a wing? Only because of laziness do I prefer the drumming. Uh, I've heard that before. Yeah. Lee, you're a drummy. It, 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 takes, it takes a little bit more work, but I think when I've got the patience, I'm sorry, what'd you say, Lee? Come over here, Lee. Talk to us. Oh, the other mic wasn't turned on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, I wasn't trying to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so what were you saying, Lee? You're, you like the flat. Yes, I do like the flat. I, I used to like the drummies more. This is so serious. Well, I used to like the drummies more, but the flats have really gotten me going. Ooh, but that's I, sexy. not to like get off the wing topic. Can I ask a question? Not to like steamroll. Yeah. What was it like, like being not being like super famous, but not having like the pressure of like social media or like someone's gonna post this? Was it just like, well, of course you didn't know what it was like before, but in retrospect, we're like, dang, we had it easy. Or that is crazy because I have never <laughs> been asked that question, and in some ways, that may be the most wonderful, valid question that I've ever been asked about that experience. Because there were so many things that I did as a 23, 24, 25 year old that, wow. Yeah. I I, I think I would have had my own little segment on TMZ. They would have dedicated the last seven, no, what am I saying? The last 11 minutes of every show would have been to the escapades of Troy Mice. Oh, my God. But I feel like you need that when you're young. You need to be stupid. You need to have, like, the freedom to, like, make mistakes. And I agree. 80,000 people judge you on I five agree. minutes of your it's life. It's ridiculous, unfortunately. You know, once again, this, you know, I was mentioning the thing about disconnect earlier and that, you know, every single thing that gets said, every single thing that gets done, I mean, at this point, it's out there. Right it's, right, it's domain. It's, yeah. It's fair game. And in some ways, I, I don't like that. You know, the different, obviously, pressures that come along with with social medias. Of course, the, the, you know, the friends of mine that have had children that have had to deal with things like bullying, mm -hmm. um, you know, certain things and, and ways that, that social media has been used just in, a, in an evil sense. It hurts. Yeah. It hurts. But... I can't tell you, Lee, how many times, I'd say in a month, and I'm not talking every day, but, but literally a handful of times that something specific will happen or I'll see something that like leaked to YouTube or is on Facebook or is on, I will see something and just think to myself, wow, if that time that I was on the, well, I'm not even going to say it, so, because it's not out there. So I did not do the Silence of the Lambs talk on the pool table in Indianapolis <laughs> while, uh, you know, while drinking vodka from the, so anyways, no, but, but that, that was an awesome question. Yeah. It, it really was, because I think about a lot of the, the younger people that I absolutely love and just how much more crazy pressure that it is on, on these young people that literally that everything that they may have to, and then I think you just start getting into like these false realities because you're, you're, are you really being yourself or are you just doing something 
for the camera or for you know was there any like right. re- reality to a reality no, show? No, it's all Do, staged. Are you Viral act videos, the they're all the, staged. If you've got the cameras on or sure. off, no, right? So, anyways, it, that was a great question. Liz. No, I mean it's a great question for a millennial. To yes, ask, yes, right. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, it's no. Fine. That that was a little bit slow coming yeah. to that one. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Um, no, but 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 it, it really is. It's really really valid. And in this day and the age, I would be probably still just on a daily basis steeped in remorse if some right. of the shit that I did 25 years ago yeah. was plastered all over the internet. At the worst at this point, it's like, you know, me on Howard Stern saying a little sure. something goofy or maybe the TV show I did with Michael that we did with Michael Moore or, but nah, in, in the big picture of the, of the stuff I've done, we're doing all right. Yeah, We're I love it. Right. So the wings bring us together, but uh, for you, Troy, it's really about the music. I was wondering if you would play for us. I'd love to. Yeah, you want me to do that? I would love that. All right, so you, you, how are we going to do this? Okay, hold on. I'm going to pause it. Okay. Yeah, let's do this. All right.
love. Thanks, you guys. Oh, man. Are you, did you teach yourself how to play guitar? I, I kind of, I kind of did. Um, I started giving lessons, and I wanted to learn Feelies and Meat Puppets and Black Flag and the Minutemen, and my teachers wanted to teach me Yes and Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, uh -huh. like real proggy guys. So I did do regular, like, lessons for about six months, but yeah, I completely by ear, um, Wow. Don't, don't know how to read a lick of music. I give lessons, though, and mm -hmm. I love it. And connecting, as I said earlier, is kind of a goal, is just one of my absolutely most favoritest, awesomest, coolest thing in the world. Yeah, so, I yeah. love it. Reaching people through your art. Yeah, man. So we're talking about it. And, you know... And you know, you made a couple comments. I mean, hopefully this won't be the well. This this will be the first of many sessions that that we can get to talk because I'd love to talk more about the, you know, just the just the similarities. You know, the way that we approach our art, the way that comedians, the musicians, you know, as we kind of jokingly said earlier, at times the level of self-deprecation. Mm -hmm. And I mean, and does it take that? And just you know, I'd love to just be able to you know come back again and shoot the shit and and uh, but. Uh, it's, it's, it's good to create. Yeah, it is. And it's funny you talk about that. Like, there is this weird thing with comedians where it's like nobody can really say, yeah, I did really well. Right. Or I'm right, good. Right, 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 right. Are you funny? Yes. Like, nobody will ever say that. Um, my roadie Lee here will uh, go ahead and take care of the guitar and stuff. Um, Thanks, Lee. <laughs> Thanks, We're just Lee. working, you know, make um, it up as we go. No, no, no. Say that again. Nobody, I've never heard comedians say, like, oh, right, right, right. I, you know, oh, right, I did right, so well. Right, right, right. Can, can claim it. Well, you know, this just hit me. I've never processed that. But one of the things that, that I think is a little bit of different dynamic is when you're talking about a full band or a solo performer. Mm -hmm. Because I think it, it, it's probably more accepted that a band could say they killed it. Or like I just saw that thing on Netflix with Dave Attell and Jeffrey Ross. And together they like killed it. But I think that there's probably just a certain amount of ego um, just inherently involved if you're performing solo in any capacity and just deciding that you're the one that was, you know, absolutely amazing or I killed it. So I, I do understand where, because when, you, when, when you're a band, you know that if all four of the elements or five or six or whatever came together and y'all killed it, you know, um, and you can kind of all take the credit for it. When you're up there by yourself, man, you die a miserable death. Yeah. Or you, you know, you sink or swim. Well, you know what's weird? I, I don't know. When you're on stage, can you hear the crowd roar? Can you hear them applaud for you? Do you or feel it? You know, it? I, I think most of anything that happens outside of what I'm doing has always been blocked out by me. I literally try to create a little bubble. At times I got teased mercilessly for my onstage movements because I kind of close, close my eyes and spin, just go in circles. Yeah. Just trying to recreate the so, high I got when I was four years old, you know, right? from a good spin. <laughs> good it's spin. Such simple shit, man. But I've seen that in comedy. <laughs> I, I think smiling. She knows. I've been, it's happened to me, and I've heard other comedians do this where, Man, they just killed it. They yeah, come off stage yeah. and they go, "Oh my God, that was awful." And you're like, "What is wrong with you?" I, I do you really no think idea. though? In a lot of those cases, I, I think that almost seems to be more of a presentation of self-deprecation. I think in some of those situations, there are that internal dialogue that's going, "Yes, I actually did just effing kill it." Yeah, I think in some of those, yes. But I think sometimes you have you just did not hear them laugh the way you heard them laugh in the back of the room or something like that. Yeah. Um, I think another crazy thing, like for me personally, I'm a musician, it's like I kind of try to connect with the, I try to connect with the ethereal 
man, I look around a lot and I try to see like moving things and like see if I can notice any like ghosts or spirits in the room. Oh, wow. So a lot of times I like am focused on the ceilings, man, and just seeing like, you know, what, 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 what do you got to send me today, you know? Nice. And uh, so there's a lot of times I really don't pay attention. And it's funny because I watch, you know, every once in a while, come on, I would never say like, oh, I've never seen like American Idol or The Voice or something. But how they mm-hmm. always talk about like the importance of like looking into someone's eyes. If, if there was a camera on me right now, I'm on <laughs> my knees, like getting really close to Mary's face, like trying to be all cool and seductive. Okay, now a picture's coming out. But I mean, I just, for some reason, it like... Connection. Well, no, I mean, but that to me is weird. Like, what they say to you, like, on the voice, that to me is weird. I cannot personally just look. Now, that might be another great place where it might be a little bit different for me. I think it's also probably the individual with that. But Mm -hmm. for me, trying to, like, you know, like, seduce each person with my eyes or look, it just seems weird. So, for me, it's about closing my eyes, kind of, like, trying to pray before I go on, meditate slash pray, and just say, like, let me connect. I think that's going to be the theme of the evening is connect. Let me connect. Let me connect, man. I like it. Yeah. And, I mean, isn't that, as a comedian, is that the greatest feeling in the world when you have someone just come up and oh my God, you just told my story, but you did it in a way that I could never have dreamed of. Are you? Yeah, they're hugging you. They're like, oh my gosh, you remind me. That is so me. Yeah. Oh, has that happened to you, Lee? Yeah, a few times. It's been great. That's awesome. <laughs> that's I mean, why, it, that's the high I'm chasing. No, it is. It totally is that connection. And I haven't gotten to the point, you know, obviously, I'm not, you know, one of those writers who's, who's, sold a million records or something like that. So I've never had someone like personally come up and, you know, like I was at death's door. But over the years, I have had some people come up and tell me some amazing, incredible things that I would have never either believed or allowed myself to believe about what my performance or my music did for somebody. Mm-hmm. And, and as much as I, the artist, wants to self-deprecate and put that stupid wall up, the fan that wants to connect with that artist I love knows that that is all just bullshit, you know, that it is real. And that that same thing that when I, you know, when I was 18 years old going to a Me Puppet show or a Feelies show, you know, I wanted to, I mean, I'm not talking about the staring in the eyes thing, but man, I wanted to connect with these guys. You know what I mean? It's like, I wanted to, I don't know, just yeah. know no, more I about what they were coming from. And, and Troy, uh, you know what fascinates me about your story is, how you were a fan, you were looking at this from a distance, and then you said, I want to do this, and then you did it, and then you you did it, you know, you got to do those cool rock and roll things, and you got, you know, you got to actually do it just by, what, leaning in, just by trying, by getting out there? Yeah, I was pretty fearless in my youth, and, and the, there's, a, there's a phrase that one of my best friends has, and and uh, out of love and respect, I'll, I'll keep it somewhat anonymous. But, you know, like, really magical things happen when desire meets destiny. You know, like, when, you, when you're what you believe in and what you want so bad, so passionately, like, interacts at the crossroads of life and time and the, the continuum, you know, it's like what can happen is, is unfathomable, unthinkable, unimaginable, because such beautiful amazing things and i we could be talking about art we could be talking about you know personal growth we could be talking about success in an occupation so many different things but i've always loved that that at those moments when desire and i think for me desire met destiny halloween night of 1987 i was having kind of my first bad acid trip 
I was a junior in high school, and I was at a costume party. It was Halloween, and I was on like three <laughs> or four hits of acid, and it was just like, it was the very first time, I, and only a few times I had tried it, but it was the very first time that, well, first of all, I'm in this conversation, so we go to this party, and I'm talking with, okay, check this out, so I'm having this conversation with Marilyn Monroe, Adolf Hitler, Charlie Chaplin, and Richard Nixon. Okay. Now, it's a Halloween costume party, of sure. course. It's probably not that way. But I just kind of looked really at my friend show. and said, dude, something's going wrong here, man. So another friend of ours had a, had a dad who had one of those beautiful sound rooms, great stereo equipment that lived a few blocks away, and he was out of town. My friend just threw me in his car and basically said, dude, I got you. Took me into the sound room at a friend's house, put on the feelies, the songs, the high road, and slipping. And I literally watched, I was having demonic visuals. I literally watched the heaviness, the ugliness, the, the, the depravity, like literally manifest into rainbows and angelic streams of beauty that I did not know existed. I saw colors that I had never known. And so that happened to uh, Halloween of 87. I just found out today that I'm going to be flying out to work the Feely shows. I'm still their guitar tech 30 years later. And I'm going to fly out to work uh, the, the Jeff Tweedy Wilco Fest, which is kind of like a big, nice. you know, the, the festival in, uh, in June. And Courtney Barnett's headlining Friday and Feely's on Saturday and Tortoise on Sunday. But it just feels like a lot of cool, really ethereal, full circle shit. Yeah. You know, the fact that, that where this all began and now I'm back in Phoenix and where the puppets are from. And let me say this. I will always send shout outs to my brothers in the meat puppets. Kirk Kirkwood, like Glenn Mercer, gave me my start and uh, along with some other people. And I will always be indebted. I will always, for the rest of my life, the fact that I get to pick up a guitar and play music every day and close my eyes and just experience, um, you know, a, a, a kind of love, a feeling that, that's really, like, hard to be explained. So the Meat Puppets just put out a new record in March called Dusty Notes, the first record in six years. In fact, I'm pretty sure it would by far be the longest time the Meat Puppets in their existence since 1980 have ever, the greatest length of time that's ever occurred between two releases. It is amazing. Go pick it up. Yeah. They're on tour. They're doing some stuff in the States. They're doing some stuff in the Europe. And, and like we just said, and I'll be flying back out. And it's just, um, you know... It just, it, it, once again, it's just fun when you can, when your energy level and things can just kind of match up. Yeah. And, uh, well, and, and, you know, just, uh, just, man, just take the world and just love it, appreciate it. And I know that's how I always do my best, you know, when my heart's in the right place. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll go back to the word of the night, you know, connection. Yeah. You know, it just, well, and we haven't even really told the listeners yet. You and I became like really tight, good friends in like three minutes. Yeah. While you were ordering food and I was working as a cashier at the restaurant I work at. Freaking best restaurant ever, Little Miss Barbecue. Can we talk about that for a I second? I talk about them all the Do time. Do you really? Even though I have a Wings podcast, um, right, right, I once, right. I want to get one of the owners, but since they opened the new building, I feel like I wouldn't even ask right now because they're probably well, so busy. Let me tell you something. About a few months ago, about three months ago, I took Becky. So the owner's names are She Scott makes the pie. Yes, Becky's Becky's. <laughs> she awesome makes the pecan smoke, pie. <laughs> smoke pecan pie. So no, I took Scott and Becky Holmes are the owners, and I took Becky aside 
I just want to check, make sure your mic didn't come unplugged or anything. No, just talk into it. You're fine. Okay. I think uh, you're good. Check. Okay, you're good. You're good. good. Yeah, just watch the cord. Is there an on on thing? There is an on off, but I heard. Stop. Okay. <laughs> um, so, essentially, I, what I did was I asked Becky at one time, you know, we got great pork, we make our own sausages, we do turkey, you know, beef. It's the brisket, Troy. Well, of course, it's the, the brisket. brisket. But I asked her, out of curiosity, why no chicken? What's, and oh, yeah. they actually had become the grand champion in the KC circuit that they did. So it wasn't a lack of their ability to cook the I greatest chicken in the world. There were just other logistics involved. But maybe down the road, we could incorporate an episode with Scott and Becky Holmes, and we could get them oh specially to cook a chicken. Now, once again, this is a maybe. So, okay, here's I the love thing. Scott I've thought and Becky. about this. They're my friends. They're my Listen, bosses. Troy, okay. I've thought about this. I'll okay. Shut up. I'll shut no, up. don't shut up. Don't you ever shut up. I get excited up. when it comes to Little Miss Barbecue. Me too. Me too. <laughs> but listen, this is how I've thought about it. Because sometimes I like to see this podcast as a vision board. If you just say it out loud, it comes true. Oh, life so, is a vision board. When I want to ask them, I can either ask them to cook, maybe cook me some, cook us some, smoke us some wings. Or I'll bring you some wings from your favorite restaurant. Because how often do people offer to bring them food? Or, or how about we cook them wings? We <laughs> smoke them and give give wings to Scott and Becky. I mean, that would be a true story. If you of, have a smoker and you know, I wouldn't know how to do that, yeah, but you no. probably would. But, <laughs> yeah, um, probably not. I just want. I would. Man, love we're to saucy in Kansas City. We just, you know, we, we we take that beautiful smokiness and we just drown it in sauce. I love Scott, sauce. I have learned so much. And I swear, I have learned more about barbecue in the past six months than the first 48 years of my life. And I am proud to be a Kansas Cityan and to have that barbecue history in my blood. Yeah. However, I will also say truthfully, no but. However, Scott Holmes is a, an absolute magician. He's a mad scientist. He is everything passionate, cool, um, about... Uh, about any endeavor you could get into. I, it, and it shows in their food. Oh it, my is, God. it is not like anything I've ever had. And right now I probably have 10 pounds of barbecue in my parents' fridge because I got a whole one, uh, a whole brisket for Easter. And um, awesome. they're going to be eating it for a while. So, yeah, yeah we'll put I've, that I've actually the got universe. one in my freezer, too. We had a couple extra the other night. And they were oh. like, okay, oh. the employees can get a deal. Talk and I was about like, perks. Uh, yeah, that 7.7 sucker. <laughs> I think I ended up with 12 pounds, it. and I did not. It was only three of us. Wow. So, um, okay, so I love that we talked about that. <laughs> yeah, we needed to get Little Miss because, you know, and like I said, man, this is the, so literally the most absolutely honest, respectful that I could be. I've worked in restaurants off and on for 31 years. I have never worked for a place, the standards, the, the, the mission statement, the goals, the, you know, Scott and Becky are truly amazing people who practice what they preach. And they've created a family. I believe I've, it. I've never felt like this at a quote-unquote regular job. Yeah. I believe it, though. Like I said, you're not. people aren't going to wait for an hour if it's not good, you know. And, Absolutely. And it's not going to be good without that kind of well, love and quality. Well, isn't it funny, too, how they, not only do you wait for an hour, which for some, then a lot of people you. could be frustrating. Well, then they tip, and then they tell you that it's the best thing in the world, and it was they they waited twice that long. Oh my for god! It. I know it's like a weird trick. Yeah, I it's felt cool. like a, I felt like strip club, like like here, just take Singles, it all. Singles, take some more dollars. Yeah. Okay. Dollar, dollar bill, y'all. <laughs> Troy, um, 
um, Troy, when you were touring with the Meat Puppets, you probably worked with some really cool bands. Like, who's been your favorite band that you got to hang out with or meet or play with or any of that? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I, I don't know. I'm one of those people who's not very good at, like, picking, like, an actual favorite. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, the whole, like, competition. I've actually got this song called Competition, like, lining up a competition. So I would put some of the ones up there for me that are just totally, well, Real quickly, the very first tour I ever did with the Meat Puppets was opening up for Blind Melon. It was in oh. February of 1994. I was living in New Jersey at the time. The first show was at Fordham University, the basketball arena in the Bronx. A big snowstorm had hit New York, so the Meat Puppets got essentially snowed in Phoenix. So the crew was already up there because they had driven up the stuff, and I remember the sound man, Davo, hi Davo, coming up to me and going like, dude, you got to sound check everything. And by myself, walking along on a stage five times bigger than I had ever been on, getting behind the drum kit, getting behind the bass, getting behind the guitars, checking the vocal mics, pretty much freaking out. Uh, I had played the biggest show that I had ever played at that point in my life was probably about 200 people. And this was sold out, I think, about 17,000. Whoa. I was sitting on the side of the stage wondering if these guys playing was even going to get in. And all of a sudden, I was approached by two people, the lead singer and one of the guitar players of Blind Melon, Shannon and Rogers. Mm -hmm. And they were so amazing to me. They could, first of all, tell that I was green, that I was nervous, that I was kind of freaking out a bit. <laughs> and they just said, dude, we've heard about this. And I said, well, what are you talking about? Well... The rumor's been that the Meat Puppets got another guitar player, so we obviously, they're our heroes. So if Kirk Kirkwood, if you're the guy Kirkwood chose, man, it's an honor to meet you, and you're going to kill it tonight. Oh. And they know they knew that I was standing there scared shitless, and they still said that. Now, there was also love, and we were handpicked by them yeah. to open up that tour. But right before... Two hours before, even wondering if we were going to go on stage, Shannon Hoon, one of the most popular artists in the world at that time, the B-Girl video, the No mm -hmm. Rain song, um, and which I love. It was written a song by their bass player, ja uh, uh, their bass player Brad. Um, just I, that, that was something, obviously, I'll never forget. You know? I mean, that was, like, literally, like, okay. It was kind of like I'm at the... At the you know, the, the, the batters, the on deck, you know, a circle for, like, something real. And these guys were coming up and giving me clues, you know. Like, hey, man, the, the pitcher that's out there, man, likes to throw low on inside. Just take the sucker and jack it over the park, man. Nice. These guys were good to me. And, 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 and Shannon was gone. And, and th those times were tough because we won't dwell on this too much. But as we said earlier, we did just, I don't know if we're going to use the word celebrate, but we did just encounter the 25-year uh, anniversary of the passing of Kurt and uh, you know got to do a little not not associated with the meat puppets a little road managing I did with a band called Local H got oh, to yeah. do a little Bound work for the floor. With, yeah exactly um, <laughs> you just don't get it the copacetic song I love now, that song so we we did uh, we did a couple shows opening up for for Sublime about that time oh. when I had had some time off with the meat puppets so I got to know Bradley I got to know Shannon I got to hang out with Kurt a few times and, and six months later those guys were gone. Ah. And I just remember thinking to myself, like, really? Is this what 
Is this what it's coming to? Like, I know for most of us, like, I would never speak for any of the grungers or punkers or anything like that. But what I remember is I was kind of a jock. And I, my dad bought me a Porsche for my 16th birthday. Whoa. I had it kind of easy and shit. But when I switched to music, yeah, I got some crap. But I didn't get the crap that the friends of mine got being called the F word and being called, which mm. the F word is not F-U-C-K. Yeah, anymore, yeah, I know. You know, and, well, at least in my opinion. Um, but... You know, all this shit, man. And so I just started thinking, like, wow, we were the the blue mohawks, the punkers, the, yeah. the misfits, the outcasts that were told we'd never amount to anything. And now we're on top of the effing world. Yeah. We literally, we, and I just always strange that that was the way that a lot of these guys went out. A lot of these people went out, you know? Yeah. But on the same token, I'm also down with, with you know, like I was saying earlier, with the trajectory of destiny and that things cannot just be... You know, the, these these tangible things that can be held on to. And these beautiful, crazy, celestial, ethereal moments that happened. And we were there. We were there to witness. We saw the concerts. We, we bought the records. We, you know, saw the films. Good directors, good actors. It's just, uh, it's just good to be a part of... Uh, of, of a cool, positive, powerful movement. And that really was one. And it was just too bad that at, right off the bat, a few of those cats that were integral were gone. And now, you know, like, I, I, I can't say that I was personally ever, like, a big, uh, it was probably a little bit after my time, like, a big uh, Linkin Park fan. Yeah. But I... I was a big Soundgarden fan. I had met Chris Cornell a couple times and loved him. I'm just saying, though, that to me, there's nothing more... There's nothing more disgusting or sad in the world than losing someone to a suicide or an overdose or a murder. I guess I just don't have a lot of uh, uh, murder experience sure, in my life. Sure, sure. Unfortunately, the suicide and overdose experience I've got in spades. I know. And speaking of, and I, and I hate to, I mean, it is just a part when we're talking about this. You know, it's kind of a part of it. You mentioned one of my favorite artists of all times. I was a big STP fan. I love Scott Weiland. You got to know him? Yeah. So, once again, like, the Meat Puppets were very often handpicked by good bands, cool bands, popular bands. The summer of 94, uh, with the release of the Sonoma Pilot's second record, Purple, they asked us to, to embark on a, about a 90-day uh, cross-country Canadian tour. And uh, longest tour I've ever done. I'd be hard-pressed to think that it wasn't the longest tour of anybody that was involved <laughs> in that. Half the tour was, there was a great opening bands, two great opening bands. Half the tour was done by Red Cross. Half the tour was done by Jawbox. But it was just amazing. And I think Scott and I immediately, I think by the second, third night in the tour, we had really bonded over the fact that, that uh, some screwed up things about our childhood. <laughs> Um, that we had both been near addiction and death and suicide and heaviness. And, and, and Scott had his own, and I won't list those. Um, he, he, he wrote his own book before he passed. But Scott was a great friend, and I'm going to tell you a story really quick because, obviously, Mary, we're just getting to know each other. <laughs> but about two weeks into the, the, the tour, so you have to think, I mean, 1994, this is July of 1994, the number one record in the world is Purple, STP. The number one single is Vaseline, STP. The number one video is Vaseline, STP. And these guys ask us to literally go on this just, just epic tour with them. So we're, I, 
I, I didn't know. I honestly didn't know. At that point, all I knew about Sentinel Pilots was kind of the rip-off Pearl Jam thing. So I didn't have a whole lot of judgment going into it. I never bought into that. I still yeah. love the band. Oh, anyway. uh, God, no. And, and after I found out about the band, it's, it's even completely even more ridiculous. Yeah. So we hit it off in about, well, the first night. I'm able to, to be on the side of the stage when they start their show, and they have these, like, 20-foot lava lamps on each side of the mm -hmm. stage. And they started off with the song Vaseline, and that song just be, absolutely became just one of my favorites. For guys that could write really, really intense, uh, you know, uh, beautiful pieces, man, that those I, that's, two notes. That's in my head right now. It's like, oh, man, one of the simplest, but yet just so much power, so much power. And Dean, the guitar player, yep. wrote that. He was just, uh, uh, they, they all are. They all are friends and, and heroes in a, in a certain sense. So, so about, so, so we're hitting off. A couple weeks go by, and we're about two weeks into the tour, and Scott asked me if uh, we had a night off, if I wanted to hang out one night. And I said, absolutely. I said, I got to ask you, we're hanging out one night, we're at a bar having a few drinks, and I said, dude, brother, we're just starting to get close, I got to ask you a question, man. I literally raced to the side of the stage every night after we're done playing, we have to sign some autographs and do meet and greets, but I literally raced to the side of the stage every night so I can stand next to one of the lava lamps to hear you guys play Vaseline. Man, that song, it just kills. And it's one of those ones that's like so short and sweet, you just want to play it and play it and play mm -hmm. it and play it again. And I just said, dude, I love it. But I got to ask you, what in the F is the deal? Flies in the Vaseline <laughs> we are. That's all so, we are. So Scott and I are about the same age. He's actually got a couple years on me. Sure. And uh, I was born in 70. And he looks at me and said, well, when I was about 12, my favorite band was the Eagles. I said, yeah, okay. And, and he said, well, at the time, my favorite song by the Eagles was Life in the Fast Lane. I said, yeah, and he said, well, the crazy thing was is I didn't think they were singing Life in the Fast Lane. I thought they were saying Flies in the Vast Lane. Life in the Fast Lane, Flies oh in the Vast Lane. Oh, my God. Boom. Try that's a, That's a classic. What? <laughs> yes. So for the, for the whole world, Vaseline was written by Scott Weiland because he was ripping off the lyrics he thought War to Life in the Fast Lane by the Eagles saying Flies in the Vaseline. Fuck yeah. Right? Oh my God. I See, love I it. told you I'd pull out a good. Thank no, you so Scotty much. Scotty actually, um, it was really sad. I've heard the stories that I heard was is that he died on a Friday. I was with him on Sunday. Um, and that I had heard that I was the last friend that had known him like over 20 years. Oh, wow. That got, and it, we were working on some music. He had uh -huh. asked me to write a couple songs for him. So I got my best Jimmy Page, Dean DeLeo ripoff shoes on. And I actually wrote this bitchin' tune for Scott. Oh, and man. the we, I, we was working on it on Thursday. And Friday morning, my phone started ringing oh, up to tell shit. me that we're sorry that he had died. So like all of those cats. And you know what? Today I got a, a bunch of pictures of a friend of mine, my best female friend I've ever had in my life, Nova Nelson, that was murdered here four years ago in Phoenix. Um, I, I've just, I've lost so many good friends. I lost Andrew a few months ago, Derek. Uh, I just, um, man, the, the people that, that aren't here right now, they're still here for me. Right. They're still here for me. And uh, I love those guys. And, um, you know, and it's just, 
it, it's cool to have, I just feel honored to have crossed paths with a lot of those guys. Yeah. Scott, like all of us, man, he had his demons, he had his issues, but Scott, Scotty was a beautiful person, man. Yeah. He was a kind cat. Like different, like Cobain was a. Was I a loved really kind his cat, lyrics and his music, yeah. and I, as like a brooding teen, you know, yeah, it really yeah. got me through. So oh, I'll never forget, like one time Scott grabbing me aside and like reading me the lyrics to the song "Still Remains." Oh, no, that's the There's one. There's a line about drinking the water. I'll that, take a yep, or bath. If you die and take a bath, I'll drink the water that, that you, you leave. leave. Yeah. And man, we just had this like weird. That's and we love. didn't actually like get gay, but we probably came really close. Oh, that's actually crazy. It, and I think I read it. Yeah, it was about. I think it was about his wife. Or it, it was, was like Janina, about pure love. Yeah, yeah. But I'm gonna tell. I'm gonna tell a story. Please do. That I've never told before. Oh my God! See what happens when you let people talk. So, SCP tour, me puppets, August '94, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Leave the show. As we're walking out to the venue, we notice that on the other side of the fences, where the buses are at, or the buses are on our side of the fence. On the other side are probably about a thousand, mostly females waiting essentially for Scott Weiland. <laughs> he walked out of the venue about 50 feet in front of me and I just followed him out. As we got closer and closer, the, the howls, the cat calls, the, the intensity, the love started to increase. Scott turned around and looked at me and winked. He stopped <laughs> and I kept walking towards him. As I walked towards him, Scott grabbed me, dipped me, stuck his tongue down my throat, and we oh, made out for like 20 seconds. I believe that. To the absolute horror and chagrin yep. of every one of those women in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, August of 94. And Scott, I love you, but a little bit garlicky and a little bit too much tongue. I've never said that, buddy. A little garlicky, a little too much tongue. You know Scott Weiland. I don't, I don't know. I, that is so something I, I, I can see him doing. Oh, my goodness. We had so much fun with that, and we laughed. And like I said, we he had just winked. totally bonded over this, this crazy, like, you know. Like, I've, I've got great, my family's still alive, man. But, like, like, so much of it, you know, like, had these crazy, you know. Mom was a junkie. Dad was a, you know, yeah. was an alcoholic and this, you know. Go, going and trying to have friends help out and all this shit. And, and Scott just had some crazy stuff too. So we just bonded over that, uh, you know, a little bit. But that was also like 1994 and us youngsters were trying to, yeah. you know, express our daddy issues. And, you know, thank God, like, the dude from Everclear wasn't hanging around. He probably written a song about <laughs> it. Nice. Troy, on that note, I think this is a great place to stop. I want to right. thank you so much for being here and spending the time with us today. Well, I want to thank you, Mary. This has absolutely been one of the... One of the funnest things like this I've done in a long time. And I'm so much more about the energy and the vibe and the passion. And immediately I could tell that you were going to be someone I would connect with. Aww. And we would just do a great job. I'd also like to thank your friend Lee for coming Lee, down. Thank you, thank you. And uh, it was Lee, just a blast. Down, I, I, I hope we get to do this again because I got a lot more songs and a lot more stories. And, and I want to hear more about you. Well, I realize for the sake of the show, because you're the host and no, you should come to one of our shows. That's where you really get to hear, you know, like all of our drama, right? Oh, I'm excited. I'm excited. So, thanks all for supporting this wonderful cast. And Mary is awesome, and it's been a pleasure and an honor. I look forward to doing it again. Thank you so much, Troy. You guys, we'll see you next time back with Wings with Friends. Have a good night.